Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and presenter. Today we have with us Adam. He's doing some things a little different. I'm doing some things a little different, so we decided to title the entire episode Doing Different. Uh, but before we dive in, Adam, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Give us a background. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Adam Moeller. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I teach 7th uh, and 8th grade social studies. I'm in my fifth year of doing that um, at uh, New Richmond Middle School, which is the uh, school that I graduated from. So it's kind of fun being back there in the, in the district I'm from, in the area I'm from, and working with some of my uh, colleagues that I had as teachers. So Nice. That is yeah. awesome. Uh, so we, Adam and I were chit-chatting before... Uh, trying to decide, you know, what angle do we want to take? And really listening to Adam and sort of his drive, it really gelled with my drive. We came up on this topic, doing different. Uh, Adam, do you want to share sort of what we mean by doing different? What's what's a core drive you have in your classroom? I, I think doing different means uh, just kind of, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the perspective is, is the students you get year to year uh, are never the same. And, and and I've never understood the idea of just doing the same thing year after year after year. And so I've always had this drive to kind of push myself to be different, um, to, to do things differently for my students, to kind of adapt to who they are rather than have them adapt to who I am and, and the things I want to do. So I just want to, I don't know, I, I'm just always trying new things uh, in the classroom, whether it's hands-on or trying to always, I'm always looking for something better um, that can better suit the needs for my students. Yeah, I think that that drive is really what makes a great teacher uh, because it means you're constantly improving, constantly iterating, much like we're asking our students to do. And yeah. you know, and if we're constantly evolving, that means we're also shifting with new new techniques, new technologies, and like you mentioned too, new students. Each batch of students is, is a unique combination uh, that yeah. we have to kind of adjust for. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, yes, from year to year, trying to, you know, do different things and find new things, yeah, it's it's difficult to do. It's hard to do, but, you know, I, I, I'm not in the business for myself. I'm, I'm in it for my students, so I'm willing to put that extra effort in and, and go that extra mile um, just just because it's not it's not all about me as I as I said before all right so talking about doing different uh, what's 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 some of the things that you've maybe tried this year or last year that are something sort of new that you liked that sort of fit that hands-on sort of goal that you have um, well, th this year, um, I, our principal had to sit down and write down a couple different goals for us for the upcoming school year. And the very first goal I wrote down was I wanted to, um, when I got this book last summer, I first picked it up and I'm like, Oh, I don't really know about this. It was edge of protocols was the book I, I picked up. Mm -hmm. And at first, I'm like, I don't really know about this, and and uh, but then I started looking at it further and further, and so my number one goal this year was to use more edge of protocols on a regular basis. So I've been sneaking them in throughout the year, uh, trying them here and there, having students uh, create presentations and share and learn from each other, and um, you know, but just having them 
I don't know. It's just nice to have a framework I could use from lesson to lesson, but then just adapt quickly. And it's helped me out with planning time tremendously. Um, and then a second goal that I've had this year was to use more um, like, like project-based learning. And, and I probably don't use it to the extent that maybe I should, or maybe I don't use all the parts or all the, um, I guess the pieces of project-based learning, but um, I try to use bits and pieces of it with different uh, like projects that I put together. Nice. So, but, but yeah, so those are my, my two goals that I, I set forth and, and the edge of protocols has really taken off in my class, but uh, the project-based learning, I, I want to take that another step further next year. So for somebody that hasn't read Edu Protocols, uh, which is a great book filled with lots of practical sort of takeaways, uh, I I bought it this summer, this past summer, and really loved it, and I've infused a few. But I'm curious, what would you say is one of your favorites in there, one or two that you really just like or you use a lot or you come back to often? Well, I, I... I, uh, I wrote a blog post on this where I, I titled it a history teacher's favorite edge of protocols. And I highlighted the three edge of protocols that I find myself using the most with my class. And, um, and so the very first one that I use on a regular basis, uh, week to week is the iron chef edge of protocol where the students work together, they collaborate, uh, they create a presentation and, and I mean, for me personally, what I found is when I have students up in front of the classroom doing presentations, um, and it hasn't always been the greatest or they don't want to. So I adapted that and I have them use Screencastify to record their presentation. And then we share out um, uh, the information that they discovered and want to share. Uh, my second favorite edge of protocol is the cyber sandwich where you get two students <laughs> collaborating yeah. together working together and, and um, sharing uh, or comparing and contrasting um, two different things. And then my third one I really like is the uh, mini report where the students, you provide the sources, but they categorize the information and then they can write a couple paragraphs afterwards. Uh, they can turn it into a visual uh, with like a Pixton or storyboard that or something. So um, I found those to be the, uh, the best ones for me to use in my class. Nice. Uh, like I said, everybody that hasn't checked it out, it's a great book. You can pick it up, Amazon, check it out. Uh, it is really chocked filled with lots of takeaway usable ideas. So, uh, And yeah, all and of them, I would say, are written in like a quick, <laughs> concise, like you're not having to read 10 pages to figure out how to do this activity. It's, yeah. it's like, boom, there, there it is. I mean, you could seriously read one on your prep period and roll with it. Yeah, and, and it's something that you can just take and and implement the next day you know and and it's like you don't have to follow some specific guideline it's just it's all ready to go and like you said it's so easy to understand and and just just to implement and use yeah fantastic uh so for me doing something different doing the different is sort of been a a goal of mine forever i mean always just trying to like push myself uh but but this other thing that you talked about in our pre-show sort of discussion was this this notion of hands-on. Like I really love to get kids out of their seats, moving around. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, 
truth be told, you can't do it every day, or I haven't figured out a way to do it every day. But mm-hmm. um, if that's your goal, if your goal is to do that as much as you can, uh, it is amazing how many activities you can make hands on. And yeah. uh, one of my one of my faves is to do a sort of like a mini mock trial I have in my class, mm-hmm. but it's mini, so it doesn't come with the full laden worth of research that the full mock trial could be, which is excellent if you have the time for that. I don't have the time, but we yep. do this. We do this two-day court case uh, from from a Roman history sort of situation, mm-hmm. but the kids love it, you know, and they the the amount of like listening that goes on because if you're in the Roman jury you get to ask questions of students and there's also this this pretend moment right you have the defendants you have the lawyers you have the judge you have the witness stand there's this this element of acting that I think I don't know I don't know if enough teachers really like tap into and this is what I love about gamification it's this it is this piece of pretend like, well, yes, we are just in a classroom in Cincinnati. We're in a classroom in Milwaukee, but yeah. we're going to pretend for this moment that yeah. we're, in a, we're in a courtroom in Rome, you know, mm-hmm. doing this. Uh, have you done anything that sort of adds a, just an element, just a teach of pretend? Oh, um, I uh, for my middle ages unit, I have them kind of create it. We do a blogging project where they create a character uh-huh. and they have to pretend they are that character as we go through different events on the middle ages and they blog from that perspective. Um, so like we, we do like, uh, you know, they learn about the black death and, and then blog about it from their perspective or the crusades and blog about it from that perspective, whether they're a King noble, um, uh, a, a knight or a peasant. So. That's awesome. I love this idea of like from their perspective, all history teachers that are listening right now have a, just a giant smile on their face because that's what we always <laughs> say history is, is just a matter of perspective. So that's fantastic. Uh, I'm sure English teachers would love that too because you got to kind of like write with a different person's voice. Like that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fantastic. And fusing a little technology and, you know, getting that in there. I'm sure you guys are one-to-one then maybe in your district or we are yeah we are one-to-one um and uh you know we have been we've we've been one-to-one for um i think the last i think the last three three years now two to three years and it's like i I think about it before we became one-to-one i just can't imagine going back to that again so it's uh it's made a huge difference nice in the classroom so all right so we got this hands-on. We got blogging from a different perspective. Oh, which platform do you use for blogging? Um, I, you know what? I had them use uh, Google Sites. Nice. Um, I mean, I, I personally feel like it's Google Sites is easy to use. Um, I try to have them use Google Sites to reflect and add stuff they create, almost like a digital portfolio. They put together stuff we create in class, and I... I I don't know. I, I've kind of gotten away from it a little bit this year. I started off really strong with it, but um, I, I just I find the students are having trouble using it, and I just I'm I'm either thinking about finding a way to like better teach them how to use it, or I'm thinking about using like Wakelet next year. Nice, cool. To put a you know put a collection of stuff together. So Wakelet's pretty awesome. I use that for XP Lab. If anybody wants to see any past 
Explore Like a Pirate Chance. Yeah. It's on my website. You can get a click a link to the Wakelet, and you'll see yeah. three years of Twitter chance. Man, I I uh, I used the I used Wakelet once with my eighth grade to have them put together a collection of stuff for. Um, when we, our government unit, that was like their, instead of a test, I had them curate stuff about, um, different principles of government that we studied. And, and they, uh, Wakelet was so easy that they picked up on it and did it and, you know, got it completed. So it was, it was easy to use. It was fun to use. And, uh, I don't know. I was just trying to push their thinking a little bit. And talking about doing something different. I mean, you were introduced in a different yeah. tool to do what uh, a typical history sort of idea would be, you know, collecting evidence and, you know, supporting yeah. the collection of ideas. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. So for me, I got to say one of the other things I have really loved in uh, doing things differently is mm. probably maybe two years ago, three years ago, uh, with Breakout EDU starting. Um, this is something that <laughs> is just a fantastic idea and one that the students can really like. Whether you use the physical, and now they're sort of pushing some of their like digital breakouts uh, as well. It just gets kids thinking, gets kids out of their seat. It's different. Each breakout is different. So even if you do 10 breakouts a year... Mm -hmm. Like they're all going to be different. So yeah, uh, I just love the creativity. If you have not heard of this yet, you know, go check out Breakout Edu. It's or just, or I was going to say, just type in digital breakouts on Google and just see what's out there. There's so many cool things that that people have posted uh, with with breakouts. I mean, they're absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and if you have the opportunity or the inclination, I would recommend also doing a breakout yourself. Like mm -hmm. uh, lots of them are around. I mean, if you Google breakout room, I am sure within your area there is there's one somewhere. Yep, <laughs> they're I, really they're really popular. I did a uh, digital breakout the day before spring break, which is craziness. And I have a class with 29 seventh graders. And I took a video of it and put it out on Twitter. And I said, this is the power of digital breakouts. You could hear a pin drop in that class as they were trying to work through a cipher and figure out the codes. And I, I have my breakout set up to where I, uh, I have empty lockers in our building. And, I, and I, uh, when they get down to the final clue, they have to figure out the questions which when they figure out the answers to the questions, that'll give them the combination to the locker. So my questions always involve numbers. And then they have to go find the locker in the school. And our school is set up to where there's four levels. There's four floors. So they, they go on an adventure through the school to find this locker with whatever I might have in it. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's truly... I've I've never seen anything like it. These kids are just hooked and captivated by digital breakouts because, and they even say, "I love how this makes me think." Yeah, and it's like that's what I want. You know, <laughs> that's what goes for me. Goes back to a good example of that that tiny bit of pretend because most digital breakouts have some sort of level of like, 
a mad scientist is blowing up the earth and you have yeah. to like find his documents before he he gets it you know yep. yep um and i don't know like that's it like and that's when i run my gamification sort of workshops i really try to impress upon people now it's not as large as you think like yeah that's it like they just say a mad scientist is doing this you have to get to the beakers before he does and yep. then the rest is just reading and researching i mean the rest is there isn't yep. more theme like there isn't characters coming in dressed up like it's just one or two sentences that set this whole activity in motion yep. and it and, and it I, and it brings it to life yeah and i think you know going off of that i think sometimes you know and i'll use me as an example i think sometimes we tend to overthink things and think things or, or lessons that we need to do or these these new types of lessons that that are out there that we need to um like go over the top with it you don't have to go over the top with it or like with project-based learning i thought it like i thought like every project-based learning unit or or whatever had to go so in depth and take like two months and it doesn't have to be you know if you just pull different elements from from what pbl actually is you can make it a week long if you want to it could be a day if, if you wanted to but i think the important thing is just you know as we've been saying here just try different things do things differently and just use different elements of these lessons you don't have to go over the top and make it this elaborate thing you know it's just i don't know just just start small and then build from there yeah i think the key which i'm sure my podcast listeners have heard time and time again from me is just truly start um sometimes mm -hmm. it's not as daunting as you think and you know as adam points out you know if, if making it more comfortable for you to start small start small like choose one little activity do a digital breakout you know do some hands-on activity do i like your example of blogging but not necessarily paying for a blogging service and it's not i mean like it's just google sites mm -hmm. have them post something and if if it fizzes out then that's just what you did for one unit you know it doesn't have yeah. to turn into a year long we're gonna blog everything just tell kids we're starting this, and then if you're done, be done. And just say, like, yeah, yeah. we did that for that one Shakespeare unit, and now we're, now we're done. Yeah. And and, and I, I kind of picked this up from uh, Edge of Protocols as well. Um, when If you start something new, and this is something I need to get better with next year and, and do different next year. Um, but when you start something new, do something, like, goofy or silly with it at first. So they kind of understand the platform or they understand the process. And then once they get the process of it, now you can start using um, more content specific types of things now that they're used to it. And rather than thinking about the process and the information, now they could just focus solely on the information. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you mean when you mean silly, you mean if I'm teaching them how to write a good thesis don't try to like say how to write a good thesis with my content that they're barely understanding because we're just this is fresh content yeah. write write a thesis about some popular boy band right now that they could all kind of laugh and get and understand but that exactly. means the content's easy and then they're just concentrating on oh i see what he did he's you know yeah. he's introducing this that and the other yeah it's, and i just introduced a new edge of protocol where they'd look at a picture and then they analyze it and they find like nouns and verbs and, and, and they write a question about it. But rather than start with that boring old picture I was going to show them, 
we started with something that, that like I, I got these pictures off of websites called um, don't leave kids alone or something like that. And these kids like destroyed their parents' house and they were just funny. And we started with that. We were all like giggling and laughing. We're like, Oh my goodness. He's, you know, uh, one class, there was a girl licking sunny delight off the, off the kitchen counter. <laughs> and so we started with that and they were laughing. But after we did it, then we got into the serious, um, uh, picture and it made it that much easier to kind of look at and understand. And so, um, so I guess if you're going to start with like a blog or a breakout or maybe start with something goofy just so they get the, the idea or the process of it. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Uh, and I like, I mean, really what you talked about there that resonates so much with me is you started with joy. You started with happiness. You started with some, some laughter, some, some ease and, that puts everybody's guard down, even mentally. I mean, like research shows, like that, that smile, that joy mm-hmm. puts your brain at ease so that when you move into the maybe more daunting academic piece, your mind's already tricked into like, this is a safe space. I get what I'm doing. Oh, I can mm-hmm. raise my hand and, and talk about what I'm analyzing now on this history picture as opposed to the sunny delight. <laughs> <laughs> and what was great about you, I, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I don't know how you would search for it or find it, but what's great about it is it's like there's a the counter is filled with sunny delight, and then there's a cup sitting on the counter behind this girl, and it's just I don't know, it was just hilarious. So, nice, but that's maybe another good. I don't know how hard it was to see the cup, but like that'd be a good example of like that analyzing. Like maybe it's just tiny in the background, but like you guys analyzing it to that greater degree could see like oh my gosh, there's there's the tool that she needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I really, I don't know. I love doing the different. I love pushing myself to do the different. Uh, I guess you could argue that's one of the things that started me down the path of gamification, you know, over a decade ago was just, it wasn't this tied together gamified system that I now talk about. Yeah. It was this one-off activity. It was a simulation here. It was like a little competition there. It was, uh, you know, like tiny micro theme like, you know, you're doing with the blogs and writing from a different perspective. It was all these like one-offs. And over time, I realized that that power that could be had in those Mm -hmm. experiences. And I decided to make more of them. And then eventually I decided to tie all of them together under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, I hope people that are listening to this really get the sense of ultimately go do it. Go, go do something different. Yep. Just is. And like we said before, start small, you know, just, or just start, or or as you just said, just start, you know, find a where, find a place just to start at with doing something different, whether it's like, uh, you know, something at the beginning of class or like an exit ticket or, or look at a lesson that, that you've done, you know, before. And you're like, well, I, I don't really like that lesson. Well, how can you change that lesson? What can you infuse into that lesson to make it better to maybe get kids up and moving or to add like a, um, like a game element to it or or whatever. Yeah. I like, excuse me. And Dave Burgess's teach like a pirate. He's challenges you to find the unit that you're actually most bored with so don't like don't amp up your favorite unit amp up that like one that is just boring to you 
because I'm mm-hmm. sure if it's boring to you, it's probably boring to your students. <clears throat> and can you think of a way to sort of amp that unit up? Yeah. And yeah. When, when you start to do that, when you start to be like, wow, we can make the boring sort of enjoyable, then, then it, all of a sudden everything catches on fire and you start to make every unit kind of a little better, a little better, a little better. But it's those yeah. baby steps. It's getting started. It's taking yeah. that challenge. It's, it's being willing to step out of your comfort zone and do the different. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, um, like I, I, I had a unit on uh, early Republic, the president, first five presidents. I'm like, and I've never found a, a good way to do it. Um, that I, I thought I was eating cereal one day and I just, this idea just hit me. I'm eating cereal and I'm like, why can't we just turn, why can't we have the students just choose one of these presidents, first five presidents, and then highlight their domestic and foreign policies on a cereal box. And so then I had students bring in cereal and, and it's like, I just, this hit me one weekend and then I just put it together and then, and then I infused edge of protocols into it for their research. And, and we ended up having a cereal party uh, the day before spring break. And it was, I just ate cereal all day long, but these kids were like so creative with their cereal boxes and like they're like the, someone came up with Jefferson Jacks and then the prize inside was, uh, three pennies for like three cents an acre. And then it's like, but their creativity just ran wild with it. And, and I finally found a way to take that unit, that boring unit and add like a hands-on element to it and do something different with it. And it was so much fun for everybody. Like even me, you know, but it, it, I don't know they, they just, they had a ball with it and, and it was great. So. I love it. That's a good story again of like, just putting it in motion. He could, you know, Adam could have come up with that idea and then sat on it, you know? Yeah. But instead, you sprung to action. You did the different, and I think you and your students were handsomely rewarded for it. Um, but I, I mean, we got to move on to reflection time. We are at the end. Cool. So here's our reflection time for today. Uh, it's a quote by Mortimer Adler: "All genuine learning is active, not passive learning." How does that hit you, given what we talked about today? Uh, well, it's to, to me, it's, yeah, get students up and moving, get them. Um, no, I, I mean, I can't, I know I keep using these examples, but we're doing westward expansion now. And I went and tacked these stations up on outside on the trees. And it's like, I could either have the students just sit there and listen to me about westward expansion or better yet, let's go outside and have them expand outside and go from tree to tree uh, and learn about westward expansion. And, and just, but, but just get students up and moving and get them collaborating and, and, and creating with each other. And I mean, it, it's just that to me is a lot better than just having them sit there and having me just talk to them or at them, if you will. Yeah. So for me, uh, I would say this quote, all genuine learning is active, not passive learning. I am sort of inspired by this idea of making learning memorable. 
And yep. a lot of research shows that the things that really get committed into your long-term memory, like truly burned on your brain, were either incredibly painful or incredibly pleasurable. Anything mm -hmm. in between, it, it's that passive learning. Like, yes, you can all sit in a classroom and hear something, but hearing it isn't learning it, you know? And yep. sort of, I think when we're talking about pushing it into the, the long-term memory, we, we got to think of ways to do that. And if our two tools are incredibly painful, not what I want to do for my students. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the other option then is incredibly pleasurable. Like, let's make that shared experience. Let's have them out of their seat. Let's have them collaborating. Let's have them working together. Let's put them on those little bits of adventure where they're trying to stop the mad scientist. You know, like, yeah. if all I have to do is set that kind of context in motion, provide mm -hmm. opportunities for them to truly engage in their learning. Yeah. I think like that's that's the active genuine learning that Mortimer Adler's talking about. Yeah, that's I mean that's an awesome way to put it. Just uh, you know, it, it's tap into those emotions. You know, if if they they're somehow connected with these things that we do, um, you know, emotionally, whether it's you know, it's it makes them feel great or or it makes them feel a little bit upset. Somehow, some way, they're they're. You know, they're going to remember how they felt and then maybe attach that to what they were learning. So true. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining in the fun today. Thank you, Adam, very much for being on Well Played for the first time. Thank you. Uh, it was great being here. Everyone, uh, as always, connect and share your ideas on my YouTube channel uh, where each of these episodes can be found. So if you want to like comment on our specific episode, you can find this one, episode 105, on my YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com slash Matera. And go on there, check out other things, subscribe, like, share, whatever. Do what you can. Everybody, enjoy your week and play on.